Hello there, you're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill, and today I'm going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and the box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. I'll also be doing a guest flick picks with two amazing filmmakers and best friends, Alex Domnich and Ash Hyla. The film they wanted to discuss was the Florida-focused 2020 documentary from Lance Oppenheim called Some Kind of Heaven. to start out with some news with the BAFTA award ceremony the Oppenheimer sweep is in full effect it won best director best picture best supporting actor for RDJ so we're gonna see how that uh, affects things for the Oscars but definitely it is the film to beat Emma Stone also turning out to be the actress to beat she won the BAFTA for best actress notably her fiercest competition, Lily Gladstone, was not one of the nominees. So it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. Emma Stone was going to win this uh, no matter what. But with the Oscars, will she be able to take the win yet again? Or will Lily Gladstone, who again has been taking up a lot of victories at other award ceremonies, will she be able to take the big one? Anatomy of a Fall in American Fiction won the respective screenplay awards for original and adapted. So that's also interesting, seeing how that'll shake up things for the Oscars. It's looking like Anatomy of Fall is going to be the one to beat for original screenplay. All right, and now looking at other news, some beautiful news. Tom Cruise, the great action star, the best of his generation, maybe any generation as far as action stars go, he is coming back home to auteur cinema. He's going to be teaming up with Alejandro G. Iñárritu on his next film, and there have been rumors that he may or may not be attached to the upcoming Tarantino film, his 10th and final, so that would be the last chance at a collaboration between them, and then also uh, teaming up with PTA yet again, uh, possibly for the, the film that he's currently doing with Leo. Not sure if, it, if it's that one or a, another one, but his schedule is pretty jam-packed, so I doubt it'll be the PTA one that's currently being filmed. But either way, what we are learning is that Tom Cruise is ready to get his Oscar. So from one of these men that he's going to be teaming up with, one of these directors, certainly he'll get that. Either way, it'll be great to see him come back into the fold. Again, he should pump out that final Mission Impossible film, one or two more blockbusters if he wants. Again, maybe he shouldn't be doing Top Gun 3, just let Top Gun Maverick stand for itself. But either way, do those and then just come back do some amazing work with some renowned directors and then that'll be it i mean his his career will essentially be complete as one of the greatest of all times now if only he would just leave scientology and it could be celebrated all around but we will see how that plays out now for the box office breakdown for february 14th to the 19th for the valentine's day to president's day frame or as they called it the six day weekend when we all love a six-day weekend. So Bob Marley, One Love, came out and crushed it in its debut. It had $33 million in the four-day weekends with the President's Day. And then if we include when it debuted, which was Valentine's Day, it has made $51 million so far. So that is extremely good, Like especially for the initial reviews that it was getting, which were not ecstatic. They, uh, they were able to bring people out to see that Bob Marley biopic. 
So incredible performance there. And it definitely washed out all the bad news that we got from Madam Webb's box office performance. It made $17 million in the four-day President's Day frame. And then that whole week, including Valentine's Day, when it also debuted, it made $26 million. So that is that is rough. Definitely a stinker. Yet another Sony Spider film adjacent, Spider-Man adjacent type film uh, flop. Argyle also hanging in there with 5.8 million. Migration also coming in there with just about 5 billion. Wonka with 4.6 million also staying in the top five in its 10th weekend and has now grossed over 200 million domestic. So an impressive performance there. Definitely the holiday gem of 2023 the chosen season four episodes four through six so we had one through three in the uh top two a couple weeks ago now 4.2 million brings this middle batch of episodes for chosen season four into the top 10 the beekeeper with 3.7 million anyone but you 2.8 million lisa frankenstein not having a great performance on science day uh did not help boost it too much and this is just for the, uh, the four-day weekend, so without Valentine's Day numbers, but still, 2.5 million, not the greatest. And then Land of Bad, another debut uh, with a bad performance, 2.1 million. All right, let's go to the box office predictions. So still fairly slow until we get the big behemoth of Dune on March 1st, but Demon Slayer, uh, which are, it's not an original film, it's, I think, just like a combination, sort of like Chosen is doing, but it's... Uh, a couple episodes from the series will be hitting theaters. I think that'll do well. Uh, probably 10 to 15 million based on, I think the uh, the one got 20 million in its debut, those last batch of episodes, but I think they were a bit more of a prominent uh, snippet of the series. So this one, if it's just ones that have already been there, um, I think people will go and see it, but I don't know if it'll be as big as that... Uh, Demon Slayer film from a couple years ago. And then I don't think it will take down Bob Marley. So I, again, based on like the 33 mil from the holiday weekend this weekend, I think it will remain on top, probably getting about 18 mil, 20 mil. And D- D- Demon Slayer will probably come in double digits for sure, but probably not going to overtake Bob Marley. And then Driveway Dolls, the one uh, coming from Ethan Cohen, I believe, one of the Ethan with the Cohen brothers. Probably not going to make a splash. Might get 5 million maybe, if that. If we're talking optimistic. Probably going to come underneath that. But that wraps up the box office and the news. So let's head over to my discussion with Alex and Ash about some kind of heaven. Okay, and now I am joined by Alex and Ash. Thank you both for coming on the show. You're so welcome. Thanks for having us. Of course, of course. All right, and so movie that we are talking about, Some Kind of Heaven, is interesting because it's a documentary. And so far, for all the guest flip picks we've had, we haven't had a documentary. So I'm fascinated by having uh you alex be the one that essentially brought us our first documentary i wouldn't have expected that so i'm just curious about uh when you first heard of this film your experience with this film and why you decided to uh 
recommend it as one of the films to talk about? Um, so I was honestly just browsing through YouTube and I came across this video on like the best documentaries you you have to watch, right? And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It's they're like documentaries. And I was like, but whatever, like I want to watch more things. And so I watched the video and this guy, it was like a bearded guy with like long hair. I don't, I don't know the YouTube channel, but um, he recommended some kind of heaven. And I was like, wow, that is just shot so beautifully. Like they, they pull up the intro with like the dude floating in the pool passing by, you know, like super high contrast, super, you know, like rich colors that kind of like film grain. And I was mm. like, I don't know, man, I'm just going to watch this for the look. And then I ended up watching it and it was way better than I expected. You know, the trailers don't even do the film justice, I feel. Yeah, gotcha, yeah, for sure. So when was that when you first uh, gave it a watch? Uh, I mean, Ash, do you remember? <laughs> I mean, it's a it recent probably, film. That's what it probably struck was me about it. like. Not this past January, but the year before, like 2023, January, if I had to yeah. guess. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, no, not that long ago. And uh, it just instantly, as soon as I watched it, five stars, put it in my top four. I'm like, a documentary. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then so did y'all end up watching it? together or did you see it first alex and you're like i need everyone to see this now (laughs) that's pretty much how it went (laughs) uh alex saw it first and then he told me he's like ash ash you gotta watch this you gotta watch this i'm like all right (laughs) so i gave it a watch and i absolutely loved it too for like all the same reasons alex did just like it's so beautiful and i thought all the stories were very interesting and it showed a side of florida that i didn't really know about that's so close to us Mm -hmm. so yeah when alex was like you gotta watch it i was like all right (laughs) i guess i'll (laughs) give it a watch and he was absolutely right i'm glad he recommended it to me yeah I, i i gotta say it's like the stories in the documentary because I want I like I keep on having to remind myself that it's a documentary because the stories just play out like narratives like they flow so seamlessly together it's like they picked the best subjects to like talk about and you see like whole character arcs happen but it's like a documentary it's so Mm -hmm. like oh I uh uh was watching the uh uh, Christopher Nolan interview with uh, Benny Safdie and Nathan Fielder on the curse and uh, uh, Benny Safdie brought up the fact that it was like I forget the exact quote but it's like uh, he tries to make the fiction nonfiction or the fake seem real but Nathan Fielder makes like the real seem fake even though it's completely real and I feel like that's exactly what happened in this this documentary i mean it, the the stories just seem so like superficial uh i mean they're just like yeah the stories are just so like interesting and that's like one thing about documentaries like i've gotten into a lot of documentaries in the past year or so and sometimes just 
reality is more interesting than anything fiction could be, like anything that you could come up with. And what's so interesting about this film is it's this entire community, this supposed utopia that they're just like going into and like you get to see all these people's lives and it's very fascinating. Yeah, the Disney World for retirees, Exactly. as they like to to call it. Um, yeah, to your point, Alex, about the whole like it feeling so like fictional, like it feels like it had to be planned out or constructed in some way. Yeah. I think partially the like cinematography because it is so good, Mm it hmm lends itself to that. And normally, um, like especially with I mean, think of all the documentaries that get put onto. Netflix all the time and that are mostly just like talking head stuff and then like uh just recycled footage or archival footage and stuff like that you definitely don't put that on the same level as um a lot of high quality cinematography in fictional films feature films but this one definitely has that um and so that kind of makes it feel more like oh we're watching fictional characters play out because this is sort of the level of quality that we see when we see those fictional stories and just some of the like coverage that they got it felt like it felt like they had to say like all right stop stop what you're doing and then let us reshift the camera and then do that which i wonder like what exactly the process was for some of them especially the ones like when they're doing the uh the acting they're in that like acting school Mm -hmm. yeah the and acting you see the class camera like flips from looking at where they're performing to flipping to looking at the audience And so you're like, okay, are we stitching just like two very different moments? Or again, did they say pause and then say, let us flip the camera around um, and get the reverse shot? But I think uh, even that, like the conscious question of like, how real is some of the stuff? Like that thing is just too crazy to be made up. Like a lot of the things that Reggie was doing or that uh, Dennis, the guy in the van was doing. Is like no i mean how do you script something like that but then other things like when barbara was um we see her at work and she's like on the phone and then when they hear the narration of her being like yeah sometimes i i get lost in my own head thinking about home and then it has that like cut in moment of the other person on the phone being like hello and she's like oh oh sorry yeah it's like that felt like such a scripted moment a fictional moment um but you have to assume that no that was That was real and they just in the edit were able to combine that with the narration to make it hit essentially the same notes as you would if it were a fictional film so Mm -hmm. i think Mm hmm yeah. that's just a big credit to i mean all documentaries but certainly this one where you have to imagine they got so much footage this was what like Mm hmm under 90 minutes but they probably had Super to get fun there. so much footage and then piecing together the story in in the edit afterwards and like finding ways to punctuate and accentuate these emotional beats as you're saying alex like the the character arcs that we see of these real people just going through like what a year or so of their lives um it's just very fascinating so yeah that's uh an aspect to it that i really enjoyed seeing was how a documentary could borrow a lot of these elements from like the fictional storytelling but feels so much more authentic because you're like okay well these are real people and they are just going through um their actual lives ash you brought up a point of like this being a side of florida that you didn't know much about or haven't thought about even though 
it is so close to home and we are all in like Orlando, Florida, Central Florida. Yeah. Villages is what, like an hour or and a half away, something like that. Yeah, I drive past it, I feel, all the time, you know? Right, yeah. So it is super close to home. This, this is dating one of our episodes, but we just had another episode that is going to be released in a while. We talked about the Florida Project. Have either of y'all seen that? Yeah. I have not. You have not. As you should. Go on a little bender of like watching Central Florida, Orlando based films. Um, But we were talking about how it is a different perspective being someone that lives like in the area and seeing, I mean, not just like the presence of, you know, Disney World in the area, but like being able to recognize the different like Florida specific things or Central Florida specific things, like Twisty Treat. Apparently, yeah. it was like very specifically. <laughs> in my mind, flirty. I was just thinking, like, "Oh my god, I saw that twisty street there. That was exactly. so cool." Yeah, the um, like the Orlando World, like all those gift shops, um, and then even that hotel itself. Like, I went to it, that motel with the big purple, the Magic Castle yeah. in. Before they repainted it, they repainted it now, which is so sad. It doesn't make any sense why they, they would do that. To? Uh, just Cups. literally gray, like the worst <laughs> oh. one I could have done. It. Um, and I think they rebranded it to like new owners came in and mm. got rid of it basically. Um, but like having a sense of familiarity with the stuff that's being represented in the films definitely gives it um, just a different essence. So being in Florida, I don't know if you guys were born and raised in Florida. I guess that's a good question of like, what is your attachment with florida and orlando specifically um and then how did seeing like the villages in this place that's so close to us but as they say a lot in the film like it, it's this own like sort of just separate community unto itself of retirees like how did that play into i guess your viewing experience um so yeah ash let's start with you like so what is your florida experience so i'm not originally from florida I am originally from Buffalo, New York. Mm. That's where I was born. And I was raised until halfway through seventh grade. That's when I moved to Florida to the kind of Clearwater area. And that's where I lived for the rest of my life. So I still kind of identify myself as like a northerner, like being from Buffalo, just because that's where I'm originally from. But at this point, I'm like half and half from where I've been from for my life. And it has given me a unique uh, perspective because people, like, you get people from all places everywhere in America, but mm-hmm. Florida is just such a unique place and has a lot of people with very strong viewpoints and just it was interesting when I moved here because I saw a lot of different people that I hadn't seen before I guess you could say and then moving to Orlando uh that's how I met Alex of course uh our first semester here and I had heard about the villages like in passing but I didn't really know what it was I knew it was like place for retired people but that was about it and then when I finally watched some kind of heaven 
it opened my eyes to like, oh, this is a lot more interesting than I thought. It's not just some retirement home. There's so much more going on here. And I found that especially interesting because sometimes being in the Orlando area, I kind of feel like because this place is so touristy, it doesn't have like a personality because sometimes it's appealing to just like tourists. Like it feels kind of just like commercial. So seeing something in this general area be so personal and unique while still like the villages was made to feel like Disney, but the people there are real people. Of course, they're not characters. So it's this interesting juxtaposition between like manufactured and these very real people with very real problems and life stories. And that's kind of my history with Florida briefly. <laughs> you know, yeah, awesome. Alex, what about you? Um, well, I was born and raised in Florida. I've lived in, I mean, I, I'm just gonna say Boca Raton, Florida, because I, if I said East versus West Boca, because I lived in West Boca for half of my life, but then moved to East Boca. And if you go to anybody in Boca, they'll say it's two different, two, two, two different cities, mm. you know, <laughs> I mean, people probably don't, but I do because you, our high schools, man, <laughs> they hated each other. Uh, so there, there, there's some large Florida identity. Um, but, and I, I have an aunt who lives up here, her a cousin who lives up here and, uh, would always travel here would always see her went to would frequent disney a lot and my grandma um is now in a retirement home and going br bridging everything together uh you know seeing how sad it is there you know because she went from living at kind of like a luxy uh place um to then moving into like a retirement like you know 50 and up community mm -hmm. uh seeing how she still had some like personality and spunk she could decorate the house how she pleased so she did and now wheeled down to this seeing the direct contrast of look at how all these old, other old people are living you know it's really like uh huh she's like literally four or five hours away you know she probably could just as easily go there but like is that even like the place you know because people say oh it's like disney world and then you have all of these extremely sad old people who are even sadder and getting older and it's like you know like the the freaks in college, you know, or high school, you know, the ones that you're in this supposedly magical place where you're supposed to develop and, you know, like find your own unique voice. And then they're just stuck because they've never had to, and they, they, they can't. And so it's like, I don't know. It's a mix of, it made me feel very happy that old people now have this outlet, but also sad that they're getting treated, you know, just as, as if, you know, cause let's just say you were one of those, those people uh like going there thinking that you might have a do-over like you thought you would in high school or you thought you would in college and getting the exact same 
loneliness you know it's 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 heartbreaking you know it it it, it really made me feel uh uh for people like that and especially older people like that because you know they really do have no one and they moved here thinking that it would be the place that would save them and it ended up just making them even sadder in the process you know it's it's quite it's oh it'll make you feel man <laughs> for sure really well yeah the um that i think they say it in the i think it was in the trailer i think it was in the the film itself too of that idea of like oh it's like going off to college like you mm -hmm. all these people of roughly the same age um are thrown together in this community that isn't like the real world real world um because they're all just like stuffed in so close together and there's all these like shops and things to do and whatnot that are so close by that you can constantly fill your time with um and then it's basically the same like social dynamics repeated but now you're what 72 yeah. instead of like 22 so yeah exactly yeah. yeah i mean they've even got like clubs and stuff you know <laughs> yeah so it's like it's just that but even bigger because it is like the world's largest retirement community yeah. so it's it's yeah nuts. It, and just like you said it's like they're in like high school or college but now they're super old so they're dealing with like all of the great things you get with that and that sense of community, but also all of those terrible things and the feeling of alienation and being an outcast that you would feel as a teenager, but now you're experiencing it all over again when you thought that was all in the past. And it's kind of heartbreaking when you see and you hear some of their stories. And mm -hmm. I just feel bad for them. And it's weird that we can almost relate to them and like people our age are I feel some of the best audience for this film because they can relate so much to what's going on here yet they're how many decades older than us right for sure but the thing that <laughs> does make it so sad is like at least when you're a teenager or you're in college there's that like little undercurrent of hope where it's like okay but this isn't forever and then i'm gonna go mm -hmm. into the real world and there's like always a chance for change uh like i think it was Anne who said it like towards the end of the film of like oh when you're young you're like oh yeah my life is an indeterminate amount of time ahead of me but when you're that age when you're retired and you're very old and you've lived well over the majority of your life at this point and then you're stuck in those same dynamics. It's not like, oh, but it's okay because I'll get to move on from here. I think that was the thing people said too of like, oh yeah, this is it. Like, is that the the one Jimmy Buffett fan? He was like, oh, I'm a frog now. I'm here till I croak. <laughs> like that part of it is so sad. If you're stuck in the same like sort of dynamics, you get that feeling of alienation or loneliness. And it's like, well, there is no like next phase of life. Like this is it. So if it doesn't work out here, then it's not going to work out for the rest of your life, which is a few years. So that's terribly tragic that, yeah, those same social dynamics and all that from teenage years, college years can be present when you're 
like close to death in your retirement community. Um, but then there's just no like hope of being able to drastically change that or reinvent yourself anymore. Like that's sort of the last gasp of being able to do it. Um, so yeah, definitely very heartbreaking. I think we should talk about some of the like lighter moments in the film though as well. <laughs> like yeah, it's not yeah, just yeah, yeah, pure yeah, depression. This movie is very funny. This movie yeah. is very funny. Don't oh. get us wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what are some of your guys' favorite little moments? There are just some, I mean, they have little like interstitial things um, where like, for instance, one of those, uh, the parrot, what was it called? The parrot club, the like whole Jimmy Buffett thing, but uh -huh. their little uh, shindig where they were dancing and then one old lady like gets down to the floor <laughs> as uh one dude is like hopping over um like that was fun they have some moments here and there of i mean it gets sad but initially when reggie was up to his shenanigans and he's just like driving around the golf cart running into <laughs> the sprinklers um like something that was enjoyable so yeah what were some of your standout moments of levity and lightheartedness hmm i'm gonna i'm gonna have to like dig deep into if you can recall uh, any i don't know if y'all rewatched it uh recently but we were supposed to <laughs> yeah, we were supposed to but timing did yeah. not work out gotcha and, gotcha yeah um i mean one of the the moments was when i forget i think it might have been Anne. was she the one with like the short dark hair not the dark hair. Oh. Barbara. She was the one that was like looking. Barbara. She was the new widow. Oh, yeah. The new widow. And the, I mean, the way she laughed when, uh, was it like her dog started humping her cat? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, those those little moments that just kind of have to be captured, <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, I can't. I, I'm having trouble thinking of all the other little moments like that, but like, gosh, I would say most of the, uh, the, the funny aspect comes from like, kind of like the awkwardness of like the early stages of the documentary where you as an audience are still like figuring out this place. And, you know, it's like the, uh, what was the, it was like, everybody's name was the same. The Elaine club so it's like little bits like that where they just show off like how kind of like silly the community can be um really were the ones that stood out to me yeah I I think that's kind of how I feel where the beginning it starts off showing like what the villages wants to be a little bit more and then once you start diving into these people that um, are experiencing the villages firsthand, that's when you get some still light moments and some interesting stuff, but that's when it kind of breaks through that facade and you really get to dig in deep. But I just love... It's like talking to your own grandparents or old people where you just hear their stories and like they're so entertaining and you don't know what to expect like what they're going to say next and it's like the craziest thing you've ever heard and i feel like you get that a lot um with this oh and the whole like sometimes it's like i know alex mentioned nathan fielder before 
but just that um like when he's in the when the husband is in the court talking mm -hmm. it's like it's kind of tense but it's funny and it it's a weird feeling you get when you're watching it and it, the way they show it is like from all the different security cameras so it adds a sense of realism to it and like it feels like something you'd see on social media where it's like you won't believe what this guy said in court and then mm he says the most like out of pocket stuff -hmm. yeah and then the judge was like you're the rudest person i've ever had in this court and he's like and then i don't he's like care no no i'm trying to no i like you judge you have a shiny face and i was like yeah what yeah did that mean <laughs> exactly <laughs> what is going on yeah that was that was rough and then the moment after because i really wanted to see like Anne's reaction to that like i was wishing obviously they can't bring like cameras into it um but i wanted to see like Anne watching like her husband just completely tank his chances in front of this judge And then the aftermath of it, they had them walking out of the courtroom, but the camera was like placed extremely far away and we couldn't actually hear the conversation between them, um, which I thought was a, a fascinating choice because it definitely left me wanting to know like what exactly what the words Yeah, yeah. were that were exchanged. Um, but yeah, it's one of those moments where it is funny out of context to see someone be like so... belligerent basically about like this thing and being like oh no i i don't need an attorney i don't need representation i'll do it myself if you were to look up like the pre-trial intervention like he's trying to school the judge on like Yeah. the law right in front of him um it's funny but knowing the context of like what came just before it, where Anne is like pleading with him to just be respectful give short answers like don't mess us up um you're like simultaneously feeling awful for her who's having to like go through this and essentially watching her marriage like crumble um as he just can't help himself like be so self-destructive Mm -hmm. so yeah it balances that really well of like these are very goofy i mean like the caricatures of florida man right all wrapped up yeah in one yeah um but then because you get insight into the real people behind it you look past like the surface level yeah humor that it can provide. And you're like, dang, that's unfortunate. And I didn't know where that was going to go. The whole like Anne Reggie thing. It ended with them, you know, ending on a fairly good note, I guess, where he's getting help and isn't, you know, hooked on all the drugs anymore, but Yeah, yeah. still it was, it was rough to see. And that was part of their conversation too at the end where, He was like, oh, it's it's good that that happened because now we're at like a better place. And she's like, well, it wasn't good to go through. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm it, it uh I'm like remembering like the the talking head portions and I, I saw a video on this like recently on like how to like why certain things are unsettling. And um, in that video, they go over this technique that they actually applied in uh, some kind of heaven where uh, uh, she was facing camera, camera right, but she, her face was in like the right third. So she was kind of looking like off screen instead of giving like the, you know, space or whatever. And I was like, like, that really did add to like how just unsettled she probably feels you know how unsettling this whole situation is and you know david bolan the cinematographer like really captured that feeling i mean i felt for her throughout
and the cinematography most definitely had to play a part in that. Um, yeah, it's her, her person was, I think, like my favorite. I think it was like the most like well covered, you yeah, know, portion it, of it. It felt the most related to the community, I feel. Yeah. And just that it's supposed to feel like a perfect community, but she can't fit in to that community. So I feel like her story is definitely the one that works the best in talking about the villages and what it's supposed to represent versus what it actually is. Right. And although I'm sure there's plenty of uh, retirees that are having the time of their lives at at the place, mm -hmm. at the villages. But this documentary smartly focused on three people that weren't uh, having the fantasy that the villages is meant to provide. Because uh, it just makes for, you know, much more compelling drama in the documentary. Um, I wonder that too, of like, how did they pick these specific three? Um, especially the the guy in the van. Like he yeah. kept saying, I could never tell whether it was true or not, but he kept saying there's like a DUI that he got in California. And so he fled from that basically. <laughs> um, and I was like, is that just part of his like, his ruse that he's doing? Because um, he said he like ran into a cool. Yeah, like to seem cool or to explain <laughs> why he's like living in the van and not it being from him. I don't know, running into other financial troubles. But like, how did they find that guy who's not an actual He's, member of the yeah, village. Yeah, it's like off the like, grid. Yeah. <laughs> um, and allegedly running from the law, yet he would agree to be in the documentary. So I'm like, I don't know, that's strange. Another crazy moment related to his story was he called his mom, apparently, at one point. This guy's yeah. like 81 years old. <laughs> like, looks extremely old, too. And then he's calling his mom, who's got to be like, I mean triple digits at that point like that's yeah crazy and then i, I was thinking concerned if it was like a 10 year difference <laughs> well, i'm blaming, yeah that'd be yeah. terrible but the um the that made me sad to think about like imagine being a hundred years old like you've passed the century mark basically and then you're worrying about your kid who's 81 years old and you're still yeah. wondering like oh do you have a job like what are you up to like can you imagine that that would be so like sad and heartbreaking but i mean think about it like that that would apply like you're never going to stop thinking about your kids or wondering what's going on with them or wishing the best for them and so if they're effectively homeless like living out of a van um and they're 81 and you're still having to like check in on them and hope that they're figuring things out i don't know that just struck a chord with me too yeah it's a lot it's a lot to put on someone that old who I mean, you should, as a parent, you should always still be in contact and all of that with your child. But normally it's like once they're done with high school or college, <laughs> then they're kind of on their own. But here mm -hmm. it's like there's still always that feeling of, man, I have to like look out for this for my kid at 81, you know, 80. <laughs> yeah, they've already lived like more than a, not like more than enough that's a terrible way of saying it but you know they've already lived a lifetime pretty much mm -hmm. and they're still being worried about it's just it's crazy absolutely yeah um <sighs> so there was so barbara was the widow 
she was the one that was like trying to find a new Yeah. uh partner basically um Anne and Reggie right they were the married couple where he was Mm hmm Yep. into Yeah. all these getting into all this trouble and then Dennis was the guy in the van um The Bachelor. yes Yeah, the the bachelor. bachelor <laughs> Oh man, that that scene where he was inside uh the house and smoking a cigar, that I mean, just like that shot where it's like Oh, his it over looks so overhead good. lamp, it is like Oof, it gives me chills every time <laughs> I look at it. Um, we'll continue. mm -hmm. So, yeah. Sorry, I just needed to needed to No, throw you're that good. in You're there. good, yeah. But basically, that was what I was curious about. Of like, which of those stories stuck out to you the most um, or resonated the most or just had the most compelling incidents in it? Go ahead. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, I mean, like I said, I feel like Barbara's story was one that related most to the villages itself. And then the Kinser couple, Anne and Reggie, uh, their story definitely made me the most anxious out of all of them, just because of their dynamic. And then Like I said, him going to the court and, like, just watching all of that unfold. And I was just like, I cannot handle this because it's just, like, they're that old and dealing with their relationship problems and, like, this whole new problem, like, even though they've been together for how long? I think they said And then... it was their 47th anniversary Yeah. of marriage. So, like, yeah, Yeah. that's crazy. And then going through this, like... What would it be like the 34th, like uh, three fourths <laughs> uh, crisis, life crisis right. with this whole new avenue with drugs. And then Dennis was definitely an interesting inclusion because he, of course, is he's this middle ground between being a part of the villages and then also being an outsider as he's not officially. a part of the community and some people don't really want him there because he's just living out of his car but he was very like entertaining but then he was definitely out of all of them the person that on the surface you're like man this is funny but when you start like really analyzing and peeling back who he is you're like this is really depressing Yeah. I mean, he had one of, like, I would say one of, like, my, my favorite, the most underrated of all of them, because, like, I mean, this dude, how many, like, girls do you think he called? Like, you know, like, he had that whole bit where he was, like, asking all of his, like, girlfriends, you know, if he could, like, stay with them so that way he would, like, you know, <laughs> wouldn't, like, die, you know, on the street or something or, like, get his van towed or something, you know, like, he was, I feel like, the most, like, holy shit you're 81 and you are like pulling at strings to like stay afloat you know like you know both the other people you know like the couple like they had a house they had you know at least each other even though it didn't feel like it at times you know barbara had you know a roof over her head and had like you know i would assume you know like income you know to at least maintain you know herself and she has her animals to keep her company but dennis dennis isn't even welcome in the place that he 
you know, in the promised land, right? You know, mm-hmm. he's like shunned. He's told that he has to leave. He literally doesn't have anyone to go to to talk to. It's not like he can, you know, join any of the stuff that, you know, is offered to all the residents. He doesn't even belong there. So I would say it's like the most under the underrated, like outsider, like point of view. That's That was my like the most touching one. Yeah. And I thought it's fascinating because he does end up living for a short time with Nancy, who apparently is one of his mm-hmm. old flings. Um, and then we see at the end, he decides to leave because he has this whole thing of like, oh, comfort or freedom being with Nancy like in that house provides comfort but then he has to give up his freedom so then he chooses to move out and he's like back in the van at the very end um which i think is it's a fascinating look because with the reggie ann thing that ends on a more positive note of okay it seems like they've weathered the storm of whatever he was going through with that yeah like final quarter life crisis um and then with dennis we see that he's not really able to change. Like you get the impression that this is sort of like who he's been this his whole life mm-hmm. of being like a little bit of that hustler, like just finding ways to um, hitch a ride on other people basically. Um, and then here he is at 81, like still, still doing that. And it's not necessarily because he couldn't settle down or like end up with somebody, but it's because something in him just it makes him not want either. to like just stay pinned down and settle down and so mm-hmm. he chooses to get back in that van and live out of that um rather than have a quote-unquote suffocating life of just domesticity of just chilling in a house yeah so i thought that was fascinating of and again it's like it's very human but also like a tinge of depression in there of like yeah you don't really change even after 81 years like some of your faults might stay with you all that time and make you uh make like poor decisions that probably go against your well-being um but you just can't overcome it like that's just how i see it with him at least is he wasn't able to overcome that so he's back at square one where we saw him in the beginning of the the documentary so he seems comfortable there i mean he shows it he he Feel, I feel like he thrives in it. It just isn't. It just isn't really the lifestyle suited for somebody of his age, you know. Exactly. But yeah, I, I gotta say they picked like the best. Like, well, it's like well wound, well rounded. I said that right the first time. I don't know why <laughs> I stuttered on it. But you know, it's like you have the couple that like really wants to stay together, right? You know, you have the guy who doesn't want anything to do with you know anybody really you know he's in it for himself he's whatever and then you have barbara who was forcefully removed from her love you know and she feels like she wants that again you know you've you've got the don't want anything want something but can't really get it and have it but it's like you know at what not like at what cost, but, you know, it's like, what are you doing with the relationship that you've built over these 47 years type deal? Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think it covers a large spectrum of, you know, just like relationships specifically, too, because that's probably on people's minds. You know, like one of the biggest concerns when you when you get older is like, 
who's there to witness my life? You know, who's there to, you know, because of the 8 billion people that are out there, you know, it's like, is your life significant at all? Not really, but to at least a person, you know, it is. And it's very nice to have that. <laughs> but these, there are people there who are actively choosing not to, to want that. And it's just, it's a really, it's weird. <laughs> it's it's yeah. very weird. I think another fascinating part about the film is we never get to see, and I don't know if it's just because they don't exist or if that was like a conscious choice just to not include that part of it, but none of our subjects seem to have kids, or at least they never get visited by kids, or they never discuss that. Honestly, the rest of their families, like we never really get their uh, siblings again. It's just that one like phone call that Dennis has with his mom. Um mm -hmm. So we don't see the connection to the rest of their families. And I think that's a big part of probably why they feel so isolated and lonely and out of place in these communities. Because um, I imagine, well, yeah, all the other people living there probably do have like their kids and then their grandkids and then they'll come and visit sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but we didn't see that with these particular subjects. So yeah, that was just something that stuck out to me that I wondered about of like, oh, Anne and Reggie together for 47 years did they ever have kids um and if so like what are the kids thinking about like their dad or their granddad like getting arrested for uh like five dollars worth of cocaine as he says so and I was curious about that of why uh it wasn't included or wasn't like touched on um just a fascinating choice by those filmmakers but it was one that yeah stuck out to me a little bit yeah, yeah, it definitely helps with the themes they're going for about relationships and a feeling of loneliness because without those additional family members, and I mean, besides, uh, what's his name, uh, Dennis, his mom, like, you don't really hear about any other family members or people in their lives besides, like, themselves or people that have already passed. And mm -hmm. it, it's sad honestly it is truly all right so if y'all think of it uh i don't know 50 years from now or maybe slightly more 45 years maybe who knows what retirement age will be at but when it comes time to retire and then you see you get a pamphlet in the mail of the villages saying oh we have a we opened a brand new like small neighborhood in the villages come on down would you want to live in the villages as a retiree Ooh, i don't know i feel like it's just so big to the point where <laughs> it wouldn't even be like that cool anymore you know because a lot of people the trend now is like going smaller you know people are more into their tighter knit communities uh, people like everything is changing and I don't need I don't think that the like millennials are going to even want that and it'll just die out because they're the next you know either the generation above us yeah millennials are above yeah. us. so I feel like they're not going to want to move into there unless it's like cheap <laughs> and I could like <laughs> actually thrive there I mean I, I don't see it really being that 
big and cool of a thing anymore in the future if i'm being honest i think it'll hopefully it turns into something different that place is like it's wild yeah i <laughs> and mean it just, yeah yeah sorry <laughs> uh i was gonna say i feel like the villages if like either millennials or gen z if they were to eventually move into a place like that it would definitely have to evolve into something new because the way the villages was built it was meant to feel like the suburbs of like the yesteryear 40s and 50s <laughs> yeah. yeah like it was supposed to feel like this nostalgic suburb like place when all of those like the suburbs were becoming a big thing in those small neighborhoods so now with like our generation some of us still live in suburbs and all of that but with the internet everything's so more connected and all of that so it's like is that really what our generation is going to want unless we want something that feels simple i guess you could say like i don't know if i'd move into a place like that simply because i feel it's better to not um seclude yourself from the newer generations and to like only be surrounded by somewhat like-minded people and just be stuck in this nostalgia driven place that just probably isn't the best personally what i think gotcha yeah i'm wondering how technology is going to influence things because yeah by the time we become retirees you never know it might be the whole uh metaverse is that the, well, yeah. the facebook thing that they like, have there? Just send us to the pods in the sky it'll be ready player one yeah they'll, <laughs> they'll hook us up one? we'll just be there we'll have the iv to get our food but have you, you can run black around mirror in a fantasy world say what have you watched black mirror at all he's not the entirety of it but a lot of episodes yeah there's an episode called, I think it's San Junipero. Mm -hmm. uh, and that one for sure. Yeah, it very much feels like the villages, but the future. Where what the villages is trying to achieve, this is just a techn technological leap version of that. Where you're just trying to replicate the feeling of being youthful and being young and free to do what you want. Sure. See, that's a worry that I have. I feel like, and again, we'll we'll see. I'm hoping again people will wise up, and we won't go down the path that every like sci-fi film and book has warned about for like almost a century now. But I feel like it'll probably lean more towards increased isolation, like physical isolation from each other. And it'll just be like through the internet, like that'll become the way that people will interact because there will be so many of those like digital uh, hotspots, like places that people can go again, like the metaverse saying the ready player one, the black mirror type uh, digital worlds that people can enter from home. So you don't need to go to this community that again, I mean, the villages has to be expensive, you would imagine. Um, I haven't like gone through and actually looked at numbers for all that, but um, in the way, yeah, like real estate prices are going, I don't know. And when we're retiring, if it'll be feasible. So you get to stay at home basically with your family, if that's possible, but you'll 
be even more like disconnected because you're only connecting through the internet and through those digital spaces, um, which I think it would be more unhealthy. Like it would seem to me to be preferable to have uh, like the retirees together in a community where they can just like walk from their house to the like town square to go to these different like community events and things like that. Because at least that's encouraging like actual contact and actual community, even though, again, it all has this like coat of paint of feeling slightly inauthentic and fantasy-like, but um, it at least allows for more real dynamics to take place. Um, yeah, the whole idea of, I don't know, people just interacting in the digital space or even worse, again, think of AI, like you just enter a digital like villages basically but you don't know who's real and who's not like it could be populated by ai npcs basically mm -hmm. that would be even worse like just imagine <laughs> that like your family's like oh yeah get old gramps onto his his headset and then just populated with a bunch of ai like we don't even need to get him into a real community because maybe that like costs more or something in the future so then you just get the the basic version, which is AI people that you interact with. Yeah. Oh, I got a question then. Um, yeah. I mean, you've seen Blade Runner, right? Mm -hmm. uh, 2049, the new one with uh, Ryan Gosling. Yep. If let's just say you, you had like a wife and she passed away, you know, like super early for some uncontrollable reason, would you think that having your own personal anadarmus in your own, in your house, like, would you do that? Like, is that feasible? You know, like, like, is that ethical? Is that, what are your opinions on that? Definitely think no across the board. No, across I think, the board. Uh, and I know there's like a Black Mirror episode or two that has also focused on that stuff um, and many other like sci-fi concepts. I think it's just definitely never ideal to mm -hmm. like essentially stall the grieving process by giving yourself like a substitute that again isn't the real thing but it like it approximates the real thing and then so you still have all those real attachments and real feelings towards that like substitute version but all it does is really prevent you from being able to truly move on so yeah that would be it'd be a hard no for me i'm also i mean as you imagine from yeah. the conversation we just had i just think the whole like ai thing and like the digital worlds, like the meta sphere and all that, like, it's just so it's going to be so bad. Like, it's truly <laughs> going to be terrible. Like, look at how, I mean, dynamic social dynamics have changed just from social media. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you could truly like, just live out your days in a digital world and be like anything you want and have like those, again, ready player one, like those haptic suits where you can feel every sensation, you can customize your character and you can live it. You're not just like yeah. playing it through a controller. You're like living it out. People are going to want to do that way more than being a part of the real world. And that's only going to make us like disconnect further um, and just find these other in like inauthentic substitutions for real pleasures or real uh relationships that is just not going to go well for humanity overall so yeah i would be <laughs> against things like that um yeah how about you what are your thoughts on that 
I think it's, I mean, on one hand, you have the, I would say it's a more of a disconnect from the soul, pretty much, you know, Mm -hmm. like what makes us human going out and touching grass, (laughs) stuff (laughs) like that. But I feel like saying that we're going to be like disconnected as a whole uh, isn't like, you know, like the most you know, it doesn't cover the other side of, well, if you really can talk to ever anybody, you know, you could get anybody's perspective, you know, if you could somehow connect t- to somebody like you're talking to them face to face, but you're in Florida and they're in Taiwan, you know, I don't know why he's Taiwan is a specific <laughs> example, but you know, it's like you would. I would feel get an even better feel for them. You know, if you're actually able to physically be present, you know, as present as you can possibly be and connect with somebody on like a conversational level. Like that's why I think like, you know, I've played my fair share of VR chat. I've done whatever. Um, And it's less of a, I hate the real world and I want to, escape it and be somebody i'm not and more uh i'm trying to get more experiences than the ones that my parents have surrounded me with because we live in florida and not some other place you know i think there is a complete other side of well now that i'm actually able to go experience it you know like you know not like you're gonna like step take a step into somebody's shoes but it's like if you want to like truly learn about you know like somebody else's culture you go like you know like you really want to truly learn what it's like to live in india you go to india you go for you know however long you can go and you live the culture and you feel the vibe and you understand i mean not to the fullest extent you know but it's like you you have more of an understanding basically and i think the ability to do that i mean we're getting we're getting so crazy with hyper realistic renders i would be hard pressed if you weren't able to go into something and learn about it fully i mean our uh we we do virtual production right but uh one of the one of the people that we like come across works for a company that is photo scanning uh hyper realistic renders of the inside of egyptian tombs and they're creating like a VR space where you can go in there and you could look at a hieroglyph and it'll like pop out and it'll you'll be able to read it, you know? And mm-hmm. for experiences like that as well, I think that it's going to be a whole new world of like learning, you know? I, I feel like there's a huge, 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 you know, especially for creative types too, you know? all the schooling that I missed out on because I was too busy drawing on my paper or daydreaming when instead I could be learning about something in a way that is more impactful to me, you know, seeing it in front of my eyes, experiencing it, you know, reading something on a wall, not knowing what it is. And then it being like translated, uh, here's what, you know, what this means. Could you put the context clues together from the environment around you, you know, is something that I feel like, is often overlooked when it comes to the whole ai is going to take over you know and we're going to live in a metaverse a digital verse they're like you wouldn't be doing that conversation justice if you didn't acknowledge the fact that there there's a shit ton of stuff that could come out of this 
you know sorry to like rant on for even longer <laughs> but i mean the whole you know i i would compare it to like the library the library of alexandria burning down all of that knowledge is lost but with the power of ai we could kind of assimilate all knowledge of existence into one neural network you know that has all this information that you could ever want and it's digital it's in the cloud or something you know you can't really erase that per se you know it's it's more of a unburnable library of alexandria that could end up creating the most understanding you know culture that we've ever had you know if you were able to actually be able to like read all this stuff you know and learn to a learning's fullest extent and yeah i, I feel like yeah. to summarize what you're trying to say <laughs> yeah. is technology vr where things are heading it should be used to enhance and like improve your understanding of the real world like enhance your understanding rather than be a replacement for the real world like is is that pretty much <laughs> yeah i would say there are a significant amount of people who are already disconnecting from technology as we know it i mean people are reviving the y2k aesthetic and going back to flip phones um it's only a matter of time before people start rejecting social media and rejecting everything that like you know the big tech whatever wants and eventually we'll get to the point where we realize maybe we can use technology in moderation instead of having it run our lives, but we're not there yet, <laughs> you know? No, yeah. I fully agree with you that like VR, AR, all of that definitely presents a lot of exciting opportunities for things to improve. Like, I mean, yeah, the way social media currently, like that has allowed for people to connect with people across the entire globe and make connections that they never would have made in the past. And so that is amazing. But then we also see all the other like drawbacks of uh, social media and the way that has impacted things. So yeah, I agree. It The upside to AR and that becoming more prevalent is that, I mean, yeah, you could have these incredible experiences that you otherwise might not be able to afford to do, like go in person to a country, but you can go to a virtual recreation of it and meet with like actual people that are there and have those conversations. I mean, you're emphasizing like the learning aspect of it. I'm sure like there's gonna be a lot of ways where learning can be enhanced. I mean, learn by doing, right? Mm -hmm. If you're unable to like physically get a hold of the materials or resources to be able to learn some skill or some trade, you can probably do that a bit better through like AR um, where you can recreate that experience, but again, it's done like virtually instead of in the real world so it just makes it more accessible like that stuff is fantastic and i'm sure it's gonna uh be part of it but yeah it's just the whether or not there will be enough people that are using it as an enhancement for the real world versus the replacement for the real world i don't know at this point even though you're mentioning like oh there's some people uh essentially creating like a counterculture against current technology and uh like social media i think unfortunately that is going to be a small portion of people and not everyone like me i'm i'm not even on social media still to this day i still don't have instagram even though that is now like the primary way that film people network um and so it's 
heard me a bit. I do actually need to get like a personal Instagram just for that reason. But literally, like I've been off of it. So that's like my perspective where I'm already sort of skeptical and not really fond of uh, like where certain technologies are at at the moment. But with VR and AR and all that stuff, I don't know. I just feel like it'll be an extension of what we already see with social media for good and for worse of allowing connections with people, but also allowing people to entrench themselves into deeper echo chambers, preventing them from actually getting to experience like real world stuff. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's probably inevitably what's, what's going to happen. But I mean, I would love to be on the optimistic side with you guys. And I know, I mean, you guys, yeah, you mentioned you're in virtual production, things like that. Um, yeah, we love and, technology, but we, yeah, but we know like it's not all good, you know. Yeah. And again, none <laughs> of it's like inherently like bad. Like that's always a thing. I mean, these are tools, and humans use tools in certain ways that can be good or bad, right? But I don't know. I'm just definitely I mean, cautious of of where it's headed. But it is a fascinating discussion, and I mean, yeah, the development it's going to happen. So we gotta like the conversation about what do we want to make of it are good and important because one way or another it's coming like the way mm -hmm. ai has blown up for the past like year year and a half is wild it's and it's only like accelerating yeah so we gotta we gotta prepare for how it's gonna be because yeah it might be i mean the like i don't know within a decade or two forget about like retirement and what's happening i mean it'll be mm -hmm. like by the time which ai we have kids that it'll happen <laughs> exactly yeah, <laughs> with, yeah. So, but okay, cool. Yeah. So, real quick, just to cap off our uh, completely unrelated to some kind of heaven <laughs> tangent, um, yeah. by bringing uh, it back to something that's also not really related to that film. Um, y'all asked for a collection of films just to see what options mm -hmm. we had for the guest flick pick. Um, and so very briefly, I just wanted y'all to give a pitch just saying like what is a film about basically and why does it uh stand as one of your favorites for two films one of each of you that for the fall and never have heard of that top secret i've only seen like the poster on letterbox a couple of times like i've seen it pop up but i also know nothing of that so alex the fall was like your favorite film um yeah. and then top secret was ash's favorite film <laughs> and so I'm curious, Alex, what what is The Fall and why is it like one of your favorites? Well, The Fall, um, I forget which exact country it takes place in, um, but it basically follows the story of this stunt actor who goes to the hospital um, after performing one of his stunts in, I think, India. And um, he recounts this grand tale of, um, you know, like heroic greatness, I'll say. And uh, all, all to this little girl. And he ends up using that story as... Because, you know, she, throughout the story, she, she kind of, like, believes him. Like, oh, this is real. This is, like, you know, something that I've never heard before. It's so fantastical. The whole movie is magical, by the way. Um, and he slowly uses his power to, you know, like, convince her to, like, get him the extra pain meds. And he ends up abusing these pain meds. And the stories kind of derail into, like uh oh well if you do this the story will become good but if you do this the story will be bad and how mm. that kind of affects you know 
the situation and the people around him. And this whole, the whole story is, it's very much like hero's journey, but also they do some, they have incredible production design. I think it is the most incredible production design I've ever seen in a movie ever. Um, There's this whole city in India that's like, that's blue, I believe. I think it's in India. I really want to be correct about that. Where it's just painted like this beautiful sky blue. And they have this sequence where they're in the desert and they keep on cross cutting back and forth. And then eventually they cut and then you see a little bit of grass and then they keep on cutting and slowly the dirt, the desert fades out and it's grass. And then all of a sudden this jungle grows up from out of the ground and they're like in the desert. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. wow, it's just a visually stunning movie. And it's got, you know, amazing themes of, uh, that I can't think of off the top of my head, but they're very, it's a very like heartwarming, gut-wrenching redemption type you know story that also you know it's just it's an amazing amazing story and visually stunning movie as well it just it deserves to be in my top four i mean wow all right i mean (laughs) you sold me on that the thing is it's just it's hard to find where to watch it so do you have like a physical copy of it Oh, I watched it in Phil Peters' class. Uh, oh, man, so maybe he when, does. Maybe I should back, try and talk yeah. to him about it. Please talk to him about it. I'm sure he'd be happy to give you a copy. Um, but yeah, no, it was for his uh, cinematic expressions class before they made it a not required class. <laughs> so gotcha. I'm, I'm glad I took it because now I found another, you know, like a top forward. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. All right. And then Ash, what about you for top three, top secret? So... Do you know anything about Top Secret? Literally nothing. I just, I've seen the, again, the poster, which has like some people holding up some some guns and then there's like the cow print on there yes, as yes. well. So that's all I know. All right. So Top Secret is made by the same people that made the films Naked Gun and Airplane. Okay. So, so that's, that's all you need to say. <laughs> yeah, that's immediately <laughs> should give you the vibe of the movie. Uh, but how Airplane and Naked Gun were like parodying some sort of genre film. What Top Secret parodies is it's parodying the um, two genres pretty much. One is a World War II espionage film. So it's parodying those kinds of movies mm-hmm. and then with that it's combined with the types of singing song like musical that elvis was in gotcha. so combine imagine if elvis was in a world war ii espionage film that's the basic premise of the movie uh, okay nice and the reason I have it in my top four is I just find it very funny. And it's compared to Airplane and Naked Gun, it's very underrated. Most people haven't heard of it, at least like general audiences mm-hmm. compared to like, if you say, oh, have you heard of Airplane? Yeah, because a lot of people like it's such an iconic movie. The top secret is a lot more niche and I could 
tell you about jokes in it, but I don't want to give anything away. I'm not just going to try and describe a joke to you. But what I will say about the jokes is it has some of the best visual gags in a movie. And it its commitment to them really sets it apart from other films. Uh, for, like, all I can say is the library scene... That one is very iconic, it has a bunch of visual gags, and is very creative. And then the ending fight scene is also equally as iconic, and you're just like, how did they pull this off, and how did they even come up with this? Gotcha. All right. Oh, Wise. and it has Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer is the main character. Nice. It was, I think, his first uh, film role. Uh, Oh, wow. it was... Because before that, I think he mainly was doing theater. So uh, they got him to do Top Secret. And I think shortly after that, that's when he did Top Gun and stuff. So his career quickly took off. But Top Secret is definitely a great film starring him. And he Gotcha. does an amazing job in it. From Top Secret to Top Gun. Yeah, exactly. Quite a career path. All right. Well, I'm sold on that too, I think. So I think next time, if y'all want to come back on for guest flick picks, we'll have to do uh, Top Secret and The Fall. If we can get our hands on The Fall, I definitely want If to try we and could see get that. our hands in the Yeah. fall, I'll try to look for a copy somewhere. Yeah, well, thank you both so much for coming on, talk about some kind of heaven and AI and VR and AR and all that. <laughs> Um, yeah, you're so welcome. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was great having you both on and hopefully we'll be able to have another episode soon. Yeah, this was Awesome. a lot of fun. Yeah, no, this is great. That's all the time we have. If you would love to give your thoughts on the show, email us at theboxofficeshowpod at gmail.com. Our main title theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. And if you like the show, please give us five stars on whatever podcast app you are listening to. And be sure to tune in next week. Have a great rest of your day.